But there are, of course, these concerns. He has these comorbidities. He's 74 years old. He's clinically obese. He has all of the risk factors that uh, are suggestive of uh, severe morbidity and, and mortality. President Trump is a man in his 70s who is obese. Uh, he also had a trip to Walter Reed. We don't know what that was about. Clinical obesity and high cholesterol put him in a high-risk category for a more severe response and reaction to the disease. The president is 74 years old, which makes him five times more likely to be hospitalized. He obviously is 90 times more likely to die than a young person. The president of the United States is in the hospital, diagnosed with a potentially deadly virus for which there is no cure. 90 times more likely to die than a young person. Well, Tucker Carlson laid out some of the stats to put that in perspective. According to the CDC, 99.98% of coronavirus patients under the age of 49 survive. Even old people get over the virus, almost all of them. According to the CDC, the survival rate for people over 70 years old is 94.6%. That's all people over 70, including people who are 103 Together, it's 95%. Ordinary shingles may be more deadly. It turns out, quote, 90 times more likely to die isn't actually a death sentence. Yeah, it's accurate, but it's misleading, and it was designed to be misleading. Right. One in 100,000 for the young people? 90 in 100,000 for the old people. Come on. But it's just, it's become such a weird political football. We're capable of dividing over anything. If Trump comes out anti-designated hitter this afternoon, he's watching the playoffs, tweets about it, all caps. By the end of the day, CNN will be weeping bitter tears about all the good the designated hitter has brought to America, particularly minority communities. And people will be marching to protect (laughs) The designated hitter half, by noon Saturday. Half the country would never watch National League baseball games again. Right, exactly. People with incredibly cruel tweets about how the, how the National League is racist. I just, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so is California indeed, is the uh, half-wit governor of that great state always saying, the future of America? Oh, or, in the words of a book about California, uh, should that uh, notion make you afraid? Be very afraid. Uh, we'll have that conversation. Plus, the, the, the governor, the aforementioned Governor Mussolini, um, defending his state in hilarious fashion the other day in a news interview. Stay with us. So I don't know how many of you watched Megan the Stallion on Saturday Night Live. I watched part of her uh, song and then fast forwarded uh, because it's not really my kind of music. And um, she frightens me as a as a woman. I just I don't I don't think I'm man enough to handle her. No, if I was ever in that situation, throw your back out. Megan, but in (laughs) in the the, stallion in the middle of Megan the Stallion's song, she got all political and did political and did this. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery by We need to protect our black women and love our black women. Because at the end of the day, we need our black women. So she's talking about Daniel Cameron, who's the attorney general of Kentucky, who is involved in the, the announcement of the, the results of the Breonna Taylor shooting. And we talked about that in detail a couple of weeks ago. Um, and as you know, nobody was charged with murder or any of the things that a lot of people on the uh, left particularly wanted. 
And so Megan the Staniel Stallion said he is a sellout Negro, no different than the sellout Negroes who sold us into slavery. Oh, that's uh, factually incorrect and despicable. Man, that is a heck of a thing to say about somebody. Anyway. You know um, what? That's laughably uh, hyperbolic and just just nasty. That's terrible, saying something like that. God. Well, she's declaring that he covered up a murder. Isn't that what she's declaring? He's part of covering up a murder? Yes, letting the white devils off having executed a an innocent black woman. Anyway, so the attorney general himself decided to respond to that Saturday Night Live screed. Well, let me just say I agree that we need to love and protect our black women. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, but the fact that someone would get on national television uh, and make disparaging comments about me because I'm simply trying to do my job uh, is disgusting. But what you saw on the screen there and what your viewers saw is something that I've had to experience because uh, I'm a black Republican, uh, because I stand up for truth and justice as opposed uh, to giving in to a mob mentality. Uh, and those are the sorts of things that will be hurled at me uh, in this job. Uh, those are the sorts of things that I've heard uh, when I was in college. Uh, again, because of I, I identify with a different political philosophy and therefore that shades the way people view me. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I am kind of interested if um, I'll choose Jason Aldean, country music star. I don't know what his politics are, but say you have some act on there in Saturday Night Live, stops in the middle of his song and says, abortion is murder. You're killing human beings. Right. Would that be okay in Saturday Night Live? I'm guessing not. But Probably not. Probably no. not. Yeah, they'd cut his mic. Anyway, yeah. um, it is what it is. Yeah, that's watch uh, or don't. You get to, you get you got a button on your thing. Oh. I watch every week. Have for uh forty six years. What a horrible thing to say about somebody. Yeah, big news in our business. I'm only going to touch on this briefly. What is our business? Radio. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Radio, podcasting, streaming. It's difficult to say at this point. But, merch sales. Uh, this is from Wired.com. Yeah, there is some groovy merch at ArmstrongandGetty.com. Including uh, T-shirts with various of these show slogans. Do we have the new men's underwear? Hmm. Do I have the A and G right there over the the business? <laughs> I haven't been asked to model them, so I'm assuming not. Soon, I'm told. <laughs> Soon. Soon. Uh, men have unprotected junk out there. Hanson, get to work. <laughs> I put on my underwear. This is from Wired.com. Ad tech could be the next internet bubble. Um. Long story short, uh, the more studies they do, I'll just read this to you. The real trouble with digital advertising, argues former Google employee Tim Huang, who's uh, written a new book, and the more immediate danger to our way of life is that it doesn't work. Uh, Targeted web advertising. Uh, It's the foundation of the modern Internet, the source of wealth for some of the world's biggest, most important companies, and the mechanism by which almost every free website or app makes money. If that shaky foundation were ever to crumble, there's no telling how much of the wider economy would go down with it. I have believed that from the very beginning, that it is ineffective. Yeah. Yep. From from when ads first started showing up on my computer screen or phone, I thought, these don't do any good. Why are people buying them? Yeah. Well, and and listen, this is uh, full disclosure. An enormous amount of ad money has flown away from 
traditional media, radio, oh, yeah. TV, newspaper, etc., oh, yeah. to g- 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 Google. And it ain't working for you. No, no, it's not. Study after study has shown that. But um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Google earns more than 80% of its revenue from advertising. Facebook around 99%. Advertising also makes up a fast-growing share of Amazon's revenue. Well, remember, was it Facebook or Google? One of them that was lying so badly with their statistics. Oh, yeah. Way back in the day. Between the click farms and the just utter, just complete uh, fiction. Yeah. Um, And I could get into more detail at some point on this. Maybe we could do a podcast on it. But um, Google it. One recent study found that ad tech middlemen take as much as a 50% cut of all online ad spending before your ad gets in front of people and you get what you pay for, etc. But it don't work is the problem. Um, The changing world, there's that, and then there's this, movie theaters going away. The movie chain Cineworld said yesterday that it's closing 536 Regal Cinemas in the United States and 127 in Britain, affecting 45,000 employees. Boy, another industry that's uh, laying off a lot of people, and they're closing, closing. Not a decision we made lightly, they said. We did everything in our power to support a safe and sustainable reopening, but the movie business is limping along. It was limping along before the coronavirus came. It was getting harder to justify, why do I go there and pay this much money, be around people? Well, it was limping like it had a sore foot. Now it's limping like it was attacked by a bear. (laughs) Right. Because my, my new TV is pretty good. It's not as good as being in a movie theater, but it's pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't very expensive. Um, and if your wife crinkles her candy package, you can say, hey, sweetheart, do you mind then not crinkling that? And you can pause your movie. Let me pause while you unwrap your jujubes. <laughs> How much do you charge your kids for popcorn when you're watching at home? We do eat a lot of popcorn at my house. Mm, yeah. Delicious. I, lo- I love popcorn. You guys fans of the kettle corn? I you enjoy a good kettle corn. I haven't had it for ages. I'm low carbon. My wife loves it. One, I'm better than you. One kid likes it, one doesn't. I like it. I can't get enough of that stuff. That's like a dangerous food for me yeah. to eat because I mm. will just continue shoving, shoving handfuls at a time. But popcorn doesn't really do any harm. That kettle corn is, uh, I think that'll sneak up on you. Oh, yeah. it's Well, it's clearly more sugarized, and I'm not convinced there isn't like cocaine or something in it, too, that just really propels you to keep <laughs> shoveling handfuls into your mouth. It is very difficult to not finish a bag of yes. that. Yes. <laughs> you guys like cheddar cheese popcorn? Oh. What's not the like in the uh, the the tri flavor container, Michael? Yeah, you get the yeah. metal container and it's yeah, got right. a, a caramel, a cheese, cheese, and a regular butter. Usually, the cheese was always the last one to go, wasn't it? Though it's cheese with a Z. I mean, I don't know how much. Oh, I don't know how hey, much. Hey, they worked real hard in that factory to churn out that powder. I'm not exactly sure what the vaguely like cheese. not exactly sure what the line between the cow and that cheese is. <laughs> In terms of manufacturing. Complicated one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Cal Unicornia, leading the nation into the future or warning for how your state can go to hell? Uh, that disagreement coming up. And I've got a definition of genius that I came across that I thought was really good. It's had an effect on me for a couple of days. Real men of genius. <laughs> Among other things. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Early voting data is just nuts, said one expert, expecting the highest voter turnout in a century. The numbers indicate that. Uh, Well, I suppose that's possible. This has been the craziest year in a century, but more on that coming up. There's an ongoing conversation slash disagreement between everybody (laughs) who is saying uh, people are leaving California by the droves. um, And Gavin Mussolini, the half-wit governor of the great state of Cal Unicornia, who says, no, 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 I've been hearing that forever. I've heard it for a half century. Uh, I just encourage folks who are leaving to consider that this state, just six, seven months ago, this state was dominating in so many sectors. Well, that's what I look for in a place to live, sector domination. In the last decade, we've been enjoying economic prosperity, the likes of which few states have seen. Uh, and then he mentions uh, 120 consecutive months of job net job creation, record surpluses, record level of business. The uh, newspaper this is reporting in said the job creation claim is curious, given that the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that all 50 states in the District of Columbia um, had... Uh, and uh, a similar statistic and blah blah blah, and then uh, then home then joblessness went up during the pandemic. But anyway, uh, he is uh, trying best he can to defend Cal Unicornia, even as a number of uh, major real estate companies marketing message is now moving out of state. We can help. Um, I heard the other day it was it was pretty amusing. Uh, Adam Carolla was talking about this. He was actually he was uh, interviewing a Mark Garagos, the famous attorney, uh, which is really not here nor there. But they were talking about uh, uh, people leaving California and Gavin Newsom de- denying that that's really happening or whatever. And they also pointed out that Gavin Newsomini only does interviews with softballers. He will never do a difficult interview with a serious journalist. Why would you? And it occurs to me, in all the years he's been governor, I've never heard him actually answering difficult questions, giving a serious press conference or anything like that. I he think, hides. I think it's pretty clear. We've, it's a one-party state. We've moved into an era where you don't have to do that. Yeah, and there is a new book out. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll get to the book after we do this. Um, so uh, Gavin Newsom was... Uh, being asked softball questions by a cheerful uh, like radio a girl or something like that. I don't know who this woman is. I should give her credit. But then she asked a somewhat probing question, 28. Former Governor Brown said it best, where the hell are you going to go? And, you know, I love, I love Texas. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> is that the Dude, new California motto, where the hell are you going to go? I don't know, but he said it. and I. But it was an interesting point because where are you going to get so many of the other things in the balance sheet. But you are aware that I've lived there for two decades, essentially, and this is the first time I've had people really talking about not being there and not that they could figure it out somewhere else. I don't think that's true. I think they can figure out where they're going to go. Yeah, and um, then that means, but it's not a zero-sum game. Right. Okay, I, I have a friend who just went to uh, Utah. Uh, beautiful. I, it may, may be the right thing for him. Um, they've made a ton of money. They have the ability to take their kids out of public school into private school, and they're doing that. And, uh, you know, they I imagine they're not going to turn their back forever on California. Wait a second. So, you just <laughs> made the argument for why people ought to leave? That's kind of funny. I, because because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stealing some of the commentary, I, I will tell you Adam Carolla is a very clever guy, and you ought to listen to his podcast now and again, but... He, he asked Mark Garagos, he said, as an attorney, <laughs> I hereby accuse you of people leaving your state for greener pastures. And your defense is, 
some of my dearest friends have left uh, the first minute they got a chance. They uh, have lots of money. Now their kids are going to great private schools, <laughs> and they're very happy. And it's beautiful Th- there. That's your defense? <laughs> Oh, man, that's beautiful. (laughs) It's kind of funny. So there is a new book out, The Stakes, America at the Point of No Return by Michael Anton. I know very little about it, but uh, this this piece in Real Clear Books points out a hoary, but not therefore inaccurate cliche. He holds that as, as goes California, so goes the nation. That is to say, social and political trends that first appear in the Golden State eventually and inevitably take hold throughout America. If this old cliche remains true, then the rest of the country should be afraid, very afraid. My parents and grandparents, California, the California of my own youth is long gone. That California was a was the greatest middle class paradise in the history of mankind. Its promise, which it mostly delivered, was nothing less than the American dream writ large, but better, freer, wealthier, sunnier, happier, more advanced, more future oriented. In barely one generation, that California was swept away and transformed into a left liberal one party state, the most economically unequal and socially divided in the country, ostensibly run by a cadre of would be Solons in Sacramento and in the courts, but really by oligarchic power concentrating in a handful of industries, above all big tech and big Hollywood, and the unions. Uh, the middle class, what's left of them, continue to flee high taxes, higher costs, cratered standards of living, declining services, etc., for greener pastures. That is really interesting. Yeah, it's really well written. Early voting data is nuts, among other things, coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Good news is, for me, I'm here. The bad news for you is, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years old or two. Crazy. A little out of that Netflix special. Huh? (laughs) Cuties. That's unfair. Yeah. Anson, why'd you give that to us? It was unfair. Trying to make a, a comments. I don't know what's Good going job on. Job blaming Hanson. <laughs> maybe, maybe to make up for the NBC town hall Joe Biden did the other day, which even neutral uh, onlookers are saying that was another softball batting practice. So well, why wouldn't you do it that way? I would. Um, uh, early vote- you're a coward. Early voting data is just nuts. So here's a couple of things you need to know. Campaign spending this cycle is on pace to double from four years ago. Double from one election to the next to a projected $11 billion. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. To give you an idea of how, uh, you know, um, because that money comes from people donating money. That's how people are into it, and they're showing how into it they are by giving money to the person they want to win. Um. Almost 4 million Americans have already cast a ballot in the election. I, uh, I am calling for a, uh, a re-examination of the way we look at and talk about uh, Election Day mm-hmm. in that you got to choose one or the other. Either November 3rd is Election Day, and you can vote early if you want to, but, you know, all of the downside goes along with it. Or we're going to go with, we're, the election has already started. Okay, that's fine. If we're going to decide to do that, though, let's decide to do that and have the 
debates, for instance, before the election started. Well, right. Having the debates after the election started doesn't really make any sense. You can't make these comments about whether it's judges or, or whatever it is. You can't. The election's already begun, and how and hold all three debates, including and the vice presidential debate after the election started doesn't make any sense to me. I realize the states are in charge, but is there any limit? Could you begin early voting in, well, I suppose you have to have your candidates decided on, but the the minute the conventions are over, September 1st, (laughs) begin the voting. Or is there a limit? This seems crazy to me. Here'd be a good one. What percentage of people, if if they could vote for president the day after the election, you could vote for the 2024 election, would be perfectly comfortable (laughs) casting their vote not having any idea who the candidate's going to be. I'd Just the party. One less thing to think about. <laughs> what percentage Get it of people? Out of the way. What percentage of people you think would be willing to do that? Knowing I know 60. I'm going to vote Democrat or Republican. I don't know. It's more than half. Probably. I'll bet it's more than half. Like yeah. while you're at the ballot, would you like to do next year's as well? Yeah. <laughs> Can I do the next five and then yes. I'm just done? A straight party uh, through the year 2040, please. Interesting. That would be uh, somebody ought to look into that. I think that'd tell you a lot about our politics. Anyway, about 4 million Americans have already cast a ballot. And according to some uh, experts tracking the early voting data, now predicting the highest voter turnout in 100 years, according to Reuters. Now, the population has quintupled or more in the last 100 years. I assume they mean by percentage. With a month to go until Election Day, 3.8 million Americans in 31 states have already had their say. Um, CNN compiled 3 million ballots in 26 states, blah, 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 blah. We've never seen this many people voting so far ahead of an election. People cast their ballots and they make up their minds, okay? People have made up their minds. Um, Double the number from... So we probably ought to do our uh, Propositions podcast for Cal Unicornian sooner rather than later. They're predicting a record voter turnout of 150 million or about 65% of eligible voters. What? The highest, I said you're kidding me. That would be the highest since 1908. Wow. Some That's st- stunning. I haven't heard a number that like that well in my entire life. Some state figures are uh, are higher than that. 65% turnout? Uh, I think that favors Biden, but I'm not sure. 1908 was uh, Taft versus uh, uh, Madison, right? No, that was uh, uh, mm, Polk v. Buchanan. (laughs) Woodrow Wilson. What what year? 1908. Teddy Roosevelt in a three-way face-off. William Jennings Bryan against Wilson. I don't know. Uh, uh, Taft v. Bryan. Charles Lindbergh running on the third party. So Joe and I each got one right. Together we would have had the right answer. Yes. Taft beat Brian. That's why we do a show together. William Jennings was the candidate three times in a row and didn't win. Yeah, that was almost a cheat. Going with him. He was the Mitt Romney, really. (laughs) That's cheating by having the right answer. Early 20th century. (laughs) Well, he ran all the time. Um, Yeah, probably William Jennings Bryan. That's always your answer. Does a a 65% turnout, who's that favor? I don't know. I don't know, and I don't care. I don't. <laughs> Somebody wake me when it's over. Whether it's n- late night, November 3rd, or, or January 2023. Wake up. Thank you. I will make the dual point that, uh, traditionally speaking, it would probably favor the Democrat on the ticket. I, I but think I also think traditional 
things have never meant less. A lot of young people don't vote as enthusiastic as they get. And if they are going to vote, the old people are already voting. Right. Uh, young people voting would be certainly lean Democrat, but whatever. It is what it is, and I can't control it, so we'll just wait and see how it turns out. Indeed. Um, I came across a couple of things in books. You know, I don't know if you've ever looked into books. That's a bunch of words printed on pages and compiled. Uh, they're really good. Don't make them into a movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. Wow. And then they're usually uh, What's com- a movie? compiled around a single theme, and that's what the book ends up being. A um, couple of things that I came across. I'm reading the the Road to Wigan Pier. I, uh, somehow I got on this kick with a, it's a George Orwell book. Mm. And the whole second half is about socialism and really his awakening to the fact that socialism doesn't really work or the downfalls of socialism that Orwell was into. Nah, this time we're going to try it with different people. It'll work. Trust me. Um, and I'll have more on that in coming days because uh, I was actually listening to a Jordan Peterson podcast as how I got on this. Mm. Anyway, so young Orwell in uh, 1923 was he is pretty big on socialism and basically defunding the police. Um, uh, you know, uh, we wouldn't have crime if you got rid of the cops and people are only committing crimes because they need stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he says this as he got older and just experienced a few more things in life. He said, in the end, I worked out an, an anarchistic theory that all government is evil, that the punishment always does more harm than the crime, and that people can be trusted to behave decently. If only you will let them alone. This, of course, was sentimental nonsense. I see now, as I did not see then, that it is always necessary to protect peaceful people from violence. In any state of society where crime can be profitable, you've got to have a harsh criminal law and administer it ruthlessly. It's the alternative to Al Capone. Yeah. So he went through what I hope will be the same process for a lot of you numbnuts who are marching in the streets to defund the police. Um, little life experience. Yeah. Anyway, and then uh, this as a definition of genius, which I came across, and you'll be excited about this, Joe. There's a new Lincoln book out. Oh, Need good, because there are so few. There have been 16,000 books written about Abraham Lincoln. I've read 14,283. Second only to Jesus Christ mm. in terms of a single person having books written about them. I almost picked up volume one of uh, the the one big giant Lincoln book that I liked so much, but I have the congenital inability to remember authors' names. But um, the two-parter, fabulous. Berlin Game. Maybe. Lincoln a Life, fantastic book. That's it. Anyway, this new book is a cultural history of Abraham Lincoln. It kind of puts him in his times and all the things that were around him as he was growing up and you know may have influenced his views of everything. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sounds like an interesting book. And I came across this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson on uh, uh, about Lincoln and the nature of genius that I thought was really interesting. I've been pondering this recently. Maybe it's just because I got a lot uh, of complicated things going on in my life right now. I'm trying to sort them out and figure them out. Emerson noted that genius lies in, quote, being altogether receptive and letting the world do all and suffering the spirit of the hour to pass unobstructed through the mind. In other Um, words, evidently, I'm not one because I need to hear that again. (laughs) Well, I have the ability, you know, I have the advantage of being able to read it in print over and over again as opposed to just hear it. The way I take that to be is and this makes perfectly good sense to me and, and certainly applying it to Lincoln and his genius Strip away all your prejudices, your preconceived notions, your wishes of the way things would turn out. Strip all those things away and let all the information you come in contact with you flow through your mind Mm. without any of those influences. Yes. And then come to some sort of conclusion, decision, view of things. I have, and I have. (laughs) 
and I don't done and done, sir. And I don't think most people can do that, or most of us do that, you know, thoroughly enough all the time. Right. It's it's too troubling. It's it, you have to open yourself up to a, a level of vulnerability that I don't think most of us are comfortable with, because mm-hmm. you might get hit with a whole bunch of stuff. Way that's the complete opposite of what I've been saying my whole life, right? Or what I've wanted to be true my whole life, mm-hmm. or what I just told somebody was the other day, or whatever it is, or that's going to cost me a lot of money, or what whatever it is that you've got in there, right? If you can strip all that away and bring in all the information that you're getting, and then make a decision, I think that is that is that is that is a level of brain power that I will aspire to the rest of my life now that I've come across it. Yeah, I might not call it genius so much as uh, wisdom or greatness, maybe. Okay. Um, so you're arguing with Ralph notion. Waldo Emerson, telling me he's a putt. Well, he's not here, here, so I win. People <laughs> with three names, I just said. Too many names. Um, but I, anyway, I'm going to apply that to decision-making or attempt to. I'm sure I can't do it uh, going forward in my life. Can you strip away everything else and let all of that information just flow through your mind and be there and then come to a conclusion? Not easy. No. I try uh, to do that with my own life, honestly, but I don't want to get too deep into my psyche. You wouldn't like it in there. That's the last thing, the, for instance, the information that is giving, given to you, especially now. Yeah. It's is, kind of the anti-cable news. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, we're in, in the midst of this deep, deep discussion. I glance over to my right, and here is a headline. Crazed leftists begin literally barking like dogs at Trump supporters. I saw that video. Yeah. I think we have that audio, yeah, don't we? Yeah, it's worth playing. Uh, I, uh, why it's one we, way to make an argument. Well, <laughs> You're a genius. We will find that for you and play it. People are now quite literally making animal noises at each other. If only to disprove my idiotic statements in the past that politics is as stupid as it can get, (laughs) I have been humbled. We'll have that for you next. You're an idiot. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Boy, a person could get tired of that. Goes on for another 10 seconds. Sorry. It actually went on for, you know, a long time. I forgot to take my mask off. I was doing like Joe Biden. I noticed yesterday when he is uh, in his little speech, he left his mask on the whole speech. I don't know if he was in a different situation than normal or if he's like trying to really emphasize the whole I wear masks and Trump doesn't. Ding! That one. But it's kind of hard. Bingo! To, it's kind of hard to understand him through the mask. So that was Claremont, California, near Los Angeles. The leftist protesters have begun literally barking like dogs at Trump supporters. Uh, apparently, writes that Monica more, can I hear that, that sounded more like a growl than a bark. Can I hear that again? Or was that, was that it was a, yapping. It was, it was yapping. <laughs> rah, 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 rah. This is some good writing by a woman. It's not gentle. Apparently, it's some kind of intimidation or shout-down tactic. They certainly aren't going to persuade anyone of whatever they want to persuade them of. In the past, they'd get 
naked or fling poo. Now they're doing the dog. It doesn't quite have the effect they think it will have, given that they come out across as creatures on a leash barking for someone doing what some kind of master tells them. It's pathetic. It's about the most degrading thing one can possibly see. Um, and notice that, as in the Black Lives Matter protests, many of most of the self-abasers are young white women, natural pleasers, eager virtue signalers, and easy to push around. They so desperately want to be liked by someone. For that, they'll make themselves bark like dogs. Uh, I saw the video, too. They were fanatical about it. Yeah, yeah. Republicans should hold out dog biscuits for them next time. It says... That's a pretty good description of the young white women who are so readily turned into militants. It was true in 1971. It's true now. Uh, Natural pleasers, eager virtue signalers, easy to push around. They so desperately want to be liked by someone. They'll make themselves bark like dogs. Wow, so it's a new way of shouting down, but making animal noises. Our politics have descended to people making animal noises. <laughs> Surely that's the bottom. Where does it go from there? Animal noises? Am I wrong to interpret that as uh, uh, Biden's closing the enthusiasm gap? He's got people out there willing to bark like dogs. That's pretty How many people barking like dogs for Trump? Huh? That's a good point. Touche. Um, Down. I see on Good Morning America, they're tackling the story of uh, used car sales spiking, skyrocketing demand for used cars uh, in that the big car company started make stopped making cars for several months. Mm. And I'm definitely learning something about supply chains. Apparently, a short interruption in supply chains really throws things off for a long time. Mentioned that when we bought a trailer or was looking for skateboard stuff for my son at the skateboard store, whatever. They just don't have inventory, and it'll take years to catch up. Right. I guess that's just the way supply works. Yeah. Well, certain of the small businesses in that supply chain have been crushed. I suppose it makes sense that whatever it is you make, you're probably making them as fast as you can make them before. Well, no, we we developed a just-in-time supply chain because having surplus of things are bad for quarterly reports. Well, so, and it's just expensive in general. Inventory equals risk, and you got to put it somewhere. And right, right, yeah, it's bad for it's bad for earnings per share and quarterly reports. But well, you made it sound like it's some sort of Wall Street scam. It's just the reality of, of no, commerce. no. It's a it's a side effect of how we have, and not I'm not saying side effect is a bad like not putting a value judgment on it, but we have been incentivized to not operate with sure. surpluses. Yeah, yeah, I can get that, um, and it would seem that. Yeah, so you were ramped up to make a certain amount of stuff because you don't want to end up with a surplus. And then if you end up behind, well, you can't just make 50% more of whatever than you used to. Obviously, that'd be impossible. You'd need a whole bunch of new employees and all kinds of different stuff. Right. Well, and again, to my point, I had a summer job years and years ago. Gladys, if you would. I believe it was after my freshman year of college. Gladys! Wow. Jeez. She's union. Since she you can't turned, tell her what to do. I'd say since she turned 94, she's slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> she dated Biden. Did you know that in college? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, my summer job was I worked for a company that made, and I think this is the right name, Tolerance Rings. They made and distributed them. They're little, is that a sex thing? Like <laughs> You buy those Tolerance Rings? 
No, it's what you exchange at weddings. I vow to tolerate you for being an idiot because sometimes I'll be one too. No, they're they're <laughs> they're rings you put around parts so that they make up for imperfections and fit. And I mm. I'm not a machinist. All right, that's that's as good an explanation as you're going to get. But it was quite a small business, and. But they had a huge distribution because they were known in the Midwest for being really good and accurate with their tolerance rings. If that company went out of business, it would probably be a while before uh, manufacturer dishwashers or whatever could, uh, you know, come up with a contract, um, find a different company, maybe two states away. That state would have to wrap up a ramp up rather it's manufacturing, blah, blah, blah. And you multiply that disruption by, say, three in a supply chain. Also, the guy who makes the rubber tires or whatever, he mm. went out of business. It could be a very, very long time before it catches up. It's crazy to watch in real time because you almost never get the chance. Yeah, so we bought this. Global whole, pandemics don't come along that often. We bought this horse trailer in case we have to get a bug out because of a fire, and they were really low on inventory, and they said it'll be three years, they think, before they catch up. Now, I think that was with the assumption that, this is all going to be over soon and things will get back to normal. We don't know that things are going to get back to normal anytime soon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just to clarify, that's a trailer you hook up behind your horse, right? Your horse pulls it? Uh, you put the the horse in the trailer and pull, oh. pull with yet another horse, which oh. just seems to defeat the purpose. That's why if we get rid of both horses, we won't need this thing at all. <laughs> no wonder my horse is so tired. <laughs> I got that completely wrong. It's one horsepower, by the way. Where, where do you hitch this thing? <laughs> a single horsepower. Armstrong and Getty.